so we're going to be talking about a thing called joy. And the very first thing that I have on my notes is to tell you what the Greek translation of joy is and how it's connected and the difference between joy and happiness is. But I woke up this morning and I thought, oh, I don't think that that's where we should go. I think we should just start with what the Bible says joy is and make that our foundation. And so if you want to know what the Greek is and want to know the difference between joy and happiness, the kids actually in kids' church talked about what the difference between joy and happiness was, I think, a month ago. So ask them and they'll be able to tell you if they remember. But you can look it up yourself or come and talk to me because I really just feel like this morning what we should focus on is what actually the Bible tells us when it comes to joy and then look at, okay, if that's what it says, how does it outwork itself? So that's what we're going to do. So James 1.2 tells us this. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kind, because you know that with the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Hebrews 12.2 says, Fix your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So if you look at these two verses when it comes to joy, they're not like that inspiring to want joy. It says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials. Joy and trials, how do those two things fit together? It says... For the joy set before him, him being Jesus, endured the cross. Doesn't sound that great. Let's have a look. If you've got your Bibles, turn to James 1. And I'm just going to read verse 4 as well and not just 2 and 3. So it says this. Consider a few joys, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. That's something to be joyful about. If we were mature and complete and not lacking anything, that's something to go, boy, I'm so pleased that that is the case. If you turn to Hebrews 12, I'm going to start at verse 1, even though this is verse 2 here. It says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us, and let's run with perseverance the race marked ahead of us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God." Consider him who endures such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Wouldn't it be fantastic to not have sin entangle us? Wouldn't it be fantastic to be people that do not grow weary or lose heart? That's something to actually be joyful about. Let's have a look at a few other verses. John 15, 11 says... I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. Galatians 22 and 23 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, 
faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. I'm going to read from verse 9 of John 15. Because this is what he tells us. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. So if we want to have complete joy, we need to remain in his love. If you look at the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians, I'm just going to read 16 to 18 and then jump to 22. But if we go back to 16, it says this. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you're led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Again, such things there are no laws. So what do these two things tell us about joy? They actually come from the Spirit. You see, it says the fruit of the Spirit. It's not a gift. So a gift is something that you're given and you just have to accept. The fruit is the outworking of something. So in this case, all these things, and we just happen to be looking at joy, is the outworking of the Spirit within us. Or, in other words, as Jesus tells us in John, abiding in Christ. Having him be the person that we're actually following and connected to. Here's a few more verses. Nehemiah 8.10 says this, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks, and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now you've probably heard the last tiny bit of that verse gets quoted a lot. The joy of the Lord is our strength. But the few verses before it says, do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So I'm just going to have a look at Nehemiah 8 and I'm going to read from verse 9 to give us some indication as to why we shouldn't grieve and why the joy of the Lord is our strength. So this is from verse 9 in Nehemiah 8. Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and the teacher of the law, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people have been weeping as they listened to the word of the Lord. Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks, and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The Levites, I'm just reading verse 11 to 12 as well. The Levites claimed all the people, um, calmed all the people, saying, Be still, for this is a holy day. Do not grieve. Then all the people went away to eat and drink, to send portions of food and to celebrate with great joy. 
because they now understood the words that had been made known to them. It is the word of the Lord that in one point caused them to grieve and then in the next point, the Levites and Nehemiah and Ezra said, no, 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 this is actually a good word. And it was the word of the Lord that actually brought them joy. So if we want to know what joy is when it comes to the things of God, and there's many more verses in the Bible about joy and rejoicing and being glad, but these are just a few that I thought we would look at today. Because joy is actually all about God and our relationship with him. If we want to have joy, it actually comes from our relationship with Jesus. It doesn't come from the circumstances that we find ourselves in. We can feel happy and joyful because of circumstances, but as soon as those circumstances change, our joy changes. But joy that is actually from God does not need to ever not be your experience. Habakkuk 3, 17 to 19 says this. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vine, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the store, yet will I rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. So just have a think about this. It's a quite a poetic way, and there's a song that comes to mind if you're an old school person that has some of these words in it. But if the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vine, if the olive crops fails and the field produces no food, you are starving. You don't have shops in Habakkuk today just to go down and, like, buy. It's a bit like now trying to find lettuce or not wanting to pay the price that you'd have to if you happen to find some lettuce. So there's no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the store. In these days, what you grew and what you had animal-wise was your wealth and was your food and was pretty much all that you had that was actually meaningful in terms of being able to live. So you've got nothing, pretty much. Yet will I rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my salvation. I'm not being joyful because I've got nothing. I still have nothing. What am I being joyful in? I'm being joyful because of the God who is my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. So it's God that brings joy, not the circumstances that we find ourselves in. In this situation, they have nothing. Yet, despite that, even though that is still the case, I'm going to rejoice in who God is. 
because of the salvation I found in him. He's the one that's going to give me the strength and give me everything that I need to get through having nothing. How do we go doing that ourselves? I want to tell you about my week because it's really interesting and maybe this is why not... Like, some people love, like, getting up and, like, sharing God's word and other people have no desire to do it. And one of the reasons people have no desire to do it is because when you're looking to God's word, he sometimes goes, oh, that's what you're looking at. Let me just poke a bit in the area. Let me just see if you really believe what you're going to be saying. Well, let me just show you a bit of that. So that's been my experience this week. I woke up Tuesday morning and just felt so grieved and so sad and so burdened with things and just felt a heaviness. And Tuesday, I always take the kids to school, so I took the kids to school in my pyjamas because I hadn't even got out of bed early enough to do that because I did not want to start the day Went in my pyjamas, dropped them off, came back and went, oh, should I just go back to bed? <laughs> so I did. I went back to bed and was there for about 10 minutes. I've got, oh, I've got things to do today. I've got, like, some, yeah, I've got some marking that I really have to get done by tomorrow. And so I'll grab my laptop and I'll stay in my pyjamas, but I'll at least do my marking. And I did that and I opened up my laptop I had to mark on the parables, which is, you know, normally really good. But that day I was like, I was looking at it and rereading it and I'm like, I'm not even concentrating. I'm going back to bed, shut down my laptop, went back to bed, got off of my phone, started playing a game on my phone. But all I was doing was thinking and dwelling on how I was feeling and why I was feeling that way and just was feeling so heavy. And so I thought, oh, okay, Tan, I know what to do. Distract yourself. So what can I do today that isn't going to take much brain power, but it's going to distract me from everything? So I'm like, oh, I know. I'll cook a meal for dinner tonight that's actually going to take some time and some effort and like, not just starting at five o'clock. Like. So I went to the shops. Um, I got dressed. I wasn't in my pyjamas this time. Had a shower, got dressed. So just so you know, I wasn't in my pyjamas in the shops. Um, and I... Um, even as I was leaving one supermarket, Kate was driving in, so I waved to Kate. And normally, if I see someone, I'd be like, oh, I'll stop and say hi. Not this day. I'm not even, like, I waved, but I'm like, I'm getting in the car, going home, did some stuff for dinner, watched something on, like, watched some TV and just tried to distract myself, then picked up the kids from school, took Catherine to guides, came home, had, you know, like, and even at guides, like, I picked up Catherine from guides, and she's like, oh, mum, I'm going to stay around and, like, help do the dishes. And I'm like, oh, great. I'm not hanging around and talking to people. I'm going back in my car and, like, doing nothing, and you just met me in the car, Catherine, because I was just not in the mood to interact with everybody. All I wanted to do was just get through the day, distract myself as much as possible. Then... I get to the evening and I have this voice in my head, probably the Holy Spirit, definitely the Holy Spirit, saying, aren't you speaking on joy on Sunday, Tanya? Like, yeah, I am. 
I want to show you how you have joy regardless of the circumstances that you find yourself in. And so from Tuesday night onwards, God has been showing me how to actually put things in place so that this is a reality. And it's not rocket science. It's about putting God in his rightful place in your life, allowing the Holy Spirit to speak, and focusing on the things of God. And so that's what I did. I woke up Wednesday morning, and instead of just trying to distract myself, I started listening to worship songs that actually focused on who God was. I have a couple of playlists, and one of them's like, God is which are all songs that just talk about who God is. And so I'm like, that's what I need. Listen to who God is. Listen to a podcast that I normally listen to, but picked one of that that was just a devotional, talking about the grace that God actually breathes on people. And I'm like, oh, this is so great truth that I needed to hear. So for the rest of the week, I deliberately made sure that what I was listening to and what I was focusing on was actually reminding me of who God was. Did the circumstances change? No. In some ways, there were some things that happened this week that made the circumstances seem even heavier than they did on Tuesday morning. The circumstances did not change at all. They didn't get better. But my sense of who God is, the hope that is in him, the fact that it is well with my soul... That is what changed. I woke up on Tuesday wanting to forget about people in the world. And on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I find myself going, I want to step into what God has. I want to see what he's doing. Even when I can't see it, I know that he's still working. I know that he's still good. I know that he's still worthy. And even if those circumstances never change... And even if things do not happen the way that I want them to, God is still good. And it is because God is still good that I can have joy that actually gives me the strength I need to live the life that is actually pleasing to God instead of the despair that we can live in when we actually just look at the circumstances of our life. And that's what joy actually does. It doesn't mean that we're running around going, my life is fantastic and everything's great. But it is that knowing that the foundation of my life is built on stuff that cannot be shaken, that despair is not part of who and how God wants me to live, because I live in hope and I live in his joy regardless of what's happening. And that does not mean we don't acknowledge that there are no figs on the vine. It doesn't mean that I didn't do some things this week to like, to try and make that situation better than what it is. It doesn't mean I didn't pray about that situation and, and pray that God would you know, change it and make it better and, and make it all that he wants it to be. But I did that out of the hope that I know that God can bring, not out of the despair that I was feeling on Tuesday. And that is the difference between doing things out of the joy of the Lord and having his strength? Because it does. Sometimes, well, even 
Simon's situation, which is a miracle from God, how well he's going, it could have been easy to feel really despair and hopeless because he was. He was not waking up when he was meant to. He had to have emergency surgery. Like, it was not, he was not in a good state. And in that situation, you have choices. Do I live in the despair that I feel? Or do I stand on the promises of God, the foundation that I have, and work and live and speak and pray out of the hope that I know that God can bring, not how I feel and what the circumstances look like to me? And it changes our perspective. It changes the way that we pray. It changes the way that we talk in the situations. We remind ourselves of the truth of who God is that does not change it means we actually can stand strong and have strength when all our strength is gone of our own. And that's where the joy of the Lord actually is our strength. Because it's not our joy. It's not something that we've conjured up ourselves. It's saying, I know that my God is good. I know that he is for me. I know that this situation may look awful, but God is still there in the midst. He hasn't turned away. And I will praise him even though everything looks crap. That's what David in the Psalms, if you did the study that we did on waiting um, in our activate group, so it was a psalm that we looked at that started off with, like, how long, God? How long until you're going to do this? Like, how long? But I will still praise you. I still know that you are good. That should be our posture. Not ignoring the circumstances we find ourselves in, but saying, despite the circumstances, you are still God. You are still good. And my joy does not come because life is the way that I want it to be, but my joy comes because I know that I'm your child. I know that you ultimately have power and control and you are good and I'm going to walk and live in your goodness, not in the despair that my circumstances might bring me to. And that can, be, that, should, that can be our life even when things are great. When things are great, God is still good. The joy of the Lord can still be our strength. It's just easier. It's easier when things are going well for us to go, God, you're fantastic. So when things are not happening the way that we want them to, that we actually need to say, I want my joy and my strength to come in the Lord. As I said, some things are given to us as gifts. We have them whether or not we use them or not. Fruit, which is what joy is, actually means that we need to be abiding in Christ, which means we need to make sure that our relationship with him, even when it's tough, is an honest relationship that we are reminding ourselves of his truth, that we are allowing the Holy Spirit to do his job. Because the Holy Spirit's job is to remind us of the things that Jesus said and to remind us of who we are in Christ and to remind us who God is. And so if you're finding it hard to find joy, I would suggest that you need to ask yourself, who am I actually listening to at the moment? Am I allowing and giving the, op the opportunity of the Holy Spirit to actually remind me of who he is? In the midst of my joy, 
and the great things that are happening in my life or in the midst of my grief and the awful stuff that's happening in my life, am I allowing the Holy Spirit to speak his truth into my life? Because when he does, sometimes things change, but what changes most, like around us, but what changes most is ourselves and our understanding of who God is and our heart posture towards him, which changes the way that we pray and connect and even speak. So I want to encourage you this week to look for opportunities to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Because sometimes the Holy Spirit comes and says, I'm going to interrupt you even though you've given me no opportunity to. And he will come into your life and he will speak really loudly and you'll have no choice but to listen. But taking those moments of saying, hey, Holy Spirit, what do you want to say about this situation? Where is the hope? Where is God? What are you doing? Bring me your peace, your joy, your kindness, all the fruits. Because it's then that we actually can walk in his strength and not our own. And we can actually find that we can help others have hope because they can lean on our hope when they don't have it themselves. Dear God, I just want to thank you that you do not change. That even though people do, even though circumstances do, even though everything really changes God but you. So because of that, Lord, we can trust you. We can trust that you are always good. We can trust that you are for us. We can trust, God, that you do not turn your face away from us, God. We can trust, Lord, that you give good gifts. We can trust, Lord, that your grace and your mercy extends to us and to everybody, God, and so much more, Lord. So I pray, God, this week, as we live the life that you've called us to, the abundant life that we find in you, God, that you will remind us of your truth. You remind us that we are your children, that you are a heavenly Father that delights in us, that you remind us of who you are, God. And when things are going really well, Lord, and things are the way that we want life to be, Lord, I pray, God, that we will praise you and thank you for who you are. And, Lord God, when things are not the way that we want them to be or even the way that we think you want them to be, God, I pray that our heart's posture will still be to want to praise you for who you are. In the midst of it all, God, we will praise you, that we will know that it is well with our soul. Amen.